Welcome to the 69th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnists Scott Osler and Ann Killian. Scott and Ann are in Toronto with me to cover games one and two of the NBA Finals. Early Friday morning, Scott and Ann sat down with me in Scotiabank Arena's lower bowl to break down Golden State's game one loss to the Raptors and answer a pressing question. Do the Warriors need Kevin Durant to win the championship? We'll have our conversation right after the break. On Friday morning, Scott Osler and Ann Killian sat down with me in Scotiabank Arena's lower bowl. Scotiabank Arena, I still feel weird calling it that. To me, it should always be the Air Canada Center. But uh, Scotiabank Arena, after what was a highly entertaining game one in a lot of ways, not just because of the on-court performance from both teams, but one of the most raucous environments I think I've ever been a part of. What did you guys just think of uh, what the, the fan base was able to to do in what was the first finals game in Canada Canadian history? Well, I'd like it from the start. I mean, they did the, the two national anthems, and they did the Canadian national anthem, and the the people were singing along yeah, that that gave me chills that was spectacular i thought the the crowd was great the atmosphere was great and uh it's it's a definite home court you talk about the the warriors having a home court thing with their their fans these guys got it going yeah i mean that was basically um kind of what i wrote my whole column about was just the vibe in the city and how excited people are you know there's you know this was just an outpost it was kind of a place people even forgot was in the M- nba I mean, you didn't because you would come once a year. But for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, really? Toronto has a team? That's, that seems weird. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they, they, uh, their existence, they started in 95. Um, you know, they weren't as bad as the Warriors were during that long stretch with only one playoff appearance. But they were pretty, they had pretty futile years. And now people are just like so fired up. And so embracing the whole, like, yeah, we're an outpost, we the North. And, you know, they've got their Mounties out there with the flags, and they got O Canada, and they've got Drake talking trash to people who used to be like his best friends, and yeah. that he, he would go to In N Out Burger with on Hagenberger. And um, yeah, so it was, it, it was a great atmosphere, and it's very, very reminiscent of what it was like for the Warriors when they, all of a sudden in 2015, they kind of. And they didn't follow, at least the Raptors followed the progression. The Warriors kind of skipped being just in the finals and losing, skipped right to winning a, a, the, the championship. Um, but the, the, the Raptors have been knocking on the door. They get, kept being thwarted by LeBron. And the fact that they finally got here, it's pretty off the chain here. Oh, and by the way, quick comment. I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking sweep. And maybe it's because we're sitting here in the arena two hours after the game, and there's about 500 people sweeping the place. But Yeah. Uh, if, if the Raptors swept this series, I think that would be one of the more shocking things to happen in NBA history. Um, but what you saw tonight was a reminder that the Raptors are much more than Kawhi Leonard. Because I think a lot of people, after how dominant Kawhi was in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, the whole narrative was, how can the Warriors stop Kawhi? It's all about Kawhi. If they can stop Kawhi, they can stop the Raptors. One thing I've been saying all season about this team is, I think they might be the deepest team in the NBA. 
and I think they might have the most complete roster. Uh, they have every type of role player. They have really good bench guys, really good complimentary guys. And it's not just Kyle Lowry. It's Pascal Siaka and Marcus Soule, both of whom were absolutely phenomenal tonight, specifically Pascal Siakam, who had 32 points on 14 for 17 shooting. Keep in mind, he was guarded most of the night by a guy named Draymond Green, who's a pretty good defender. Um, just what, what did you guys think of his performance and what, what it really said about this team as a whole? Well, I'm talking about stepping up on the big stage. He's got a second-year player, and I'm sure a lot of people watching the finals didn't know which was his first name, which was his last name. And so they're discovering the guy that, wow, he's so long and he's, he's, he's slippery and he's quick. And uh, yeah, they probably could have used Kevin Durant on that guy tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with you about this team. They they are, it's not Portland, you know. I mean, I think the Portland thing, um, probably not for the media, but certainly for a lot of fans with that sweep made people think like, oh, they got this. And there were times during the Eastern Conference Finals where neither Milwaukee nor, nor Toronto looked great, you know, especially their shooting percentage wasn't great. So I think there was a false sense of security for a lot of Warriors fans coming into this. But this is a really deep team and it's really experienced. I mean, Pascal Siakam is not, but there are guys on this team who have played tons of playoff games like Gasol, like Danny Green, like Kawhi, who was a finals MVP not that long ago. So they're, they're a team unlike, and, and I think they're much deeper than any of the Cleveland teams that, that the Warriors faced in the finals before. So yeah, this is this is their biggest challenge for sure. Houston was a huge challenge, but this is a different challenge because they don't know them. And, you know, that came out in the post game. They, they talked so much about how they've now, it works both ways, of course. Toronto doesn't really know the Warriors, except, you know, they've been watching the Warriors for a long time. Um, everyone's been watching the Warriors. But I, I do think the fact that they've never really played this version of the team, is it's a totally different experience for them in the finals. And so they talked a lot about how now that they have a one game on film between the two of them, they're going to spend the next 48 hours looking at that a lot. Yeah, you know, and I thought that was kind of an interesting thing for Steve to say post-game because they did have nine-plus days to prepare for him. Um, That being said, they they did face him twice this season, and one game was without Kawhi. But also, from the Raptors' perspective, they had way less time to prepare, and there was one game, I believe, that Steph was out. So um, they were just as much at a disadvantage, if not more so. Um, And what one thing that was interesting to me was – um, every game entering the entering this series that the Warriors have lost in the playoffs, there's been something, some major shortcoming that the Warriors have had that you can point to and say, oh, well, they fumbled away that game. You know, oh, they had a bunch of turnovers or they just weren't even trying. They, you know, you know, the effort was not there. The effort tonight was not the issue. They just actually they just lost the game. I mean, they obviously they had 10 first half turnovers, um, but more than anything, it felt like instead of the Warriors losing tonight, they were beat. And uh, I, w- I was really impressed by the Raptors game plan. And and obviously the Warriors game plan was to try to trap Kawhi Leonard as much as possible, make life difficult on him and test their supporting guys. Well, you know what? That played right into the Raptors' hands because they're like, "Oh, you you want to leave Marcus wide open from three? He'll hit that." Yeah. You know. That said, it this the finals is a star-driven vehicle, 
with the exception of Andre Agudalo winning the MVP five years ago, uh, whatever team wins, their superstars are going to wind up stepping up. So if the Warriors can hold Kawhi Leonard to 23, what did he get, 23 points? Yeah. They'll hold him to 23 points every game. They're going to be in great um, five shape. Five for 14 shooting. Yeah, at five for 14 shooting. They'll be in fabulous shape. They're not going to do that because he's going to step his game up. And so Steph Curry's going to step his game up. So it'll be decided. It's not going to, this is not baseball where Spunky, the bench warmer, comes off the bench and hits the home run in the ninth inning and wins the World Series. This is, the finals is won by superstars. And it, so it remains to be seen how the super, super, not the superstars, but the superstars, <laughs> the superstars on both teams step up. Yeah, and you know one thing that you got to write about tonight, and I think is a really important thing to take away from tonight, is you seemed it seemed like you saw for the first time how much the loss of Durant really hurts the Warriors when they're against and going up against an elite team. Because the reality is, you know, this was their seventh game without Durant. They won Game Six without Durant against Houston, and then swept. Uh, they swept a pretty inferior Portland team in the West Finals, and now here you are against an elite, formidable opponent, and it feels like you're seeing all that they're missing in Durant. What did you guys think about how glaring that kind of was? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, it. again, they swept Portland, and I think it gave a false sense of security about what they can do without him, but, you know, Durant is the tallest, leanest slipperiest most athletic guy in the league and so to match up against a team like this I mean you would want him out there against a guy like uh, Siakam against all of that and also to do what he does on offense I mean it just they didn't have that release valve that they've had when things get tight and and um it's just it's so different than Portland you can't even really compare it in terms of the, the way they're able to move the ball, what what they're able to do on offense. So I just, yeah, I mean, this was the, the, the time where it became a big, glaring absence that he wasn't here. I thought they, the Raptors did a really good job on Steph Curry at night. For instance, Steph's thing is, you know, he passes the ball and his defender, because defenders can't help this, they kind of let go for half a second, thinking, okay, I stopped my man. And then Curry scooters around and gets behind the three-point line and gets open. He wasn't doing that much tonight. They they stayed on him. They followed him. They 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 double teamed him. They just stayed with him the whole time. And uh, I I think that was a key thing. And if Durant was there, they wouldn't be able to do that because Steph would just get the ball to Durant. He'd go one on one and shoot a 15 foot fall away and score 39 points. And also uh, Durant's another defensive option of Pascal Siakam. He's actually very similar physically to Pascal Siakam, very long, rangy, athletic. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways he'd be their best defensive matchup for Pascal. So, um, they're also missing that. Um, but as you guys kind of touched upon, I think the biggest thing is just the offensive bailout. There were so many times tonight where they really stagnated offensively and they weren't, uh, they weren't able to get into their sets and get into that motion system that they want to be. And when you have Durant, it doesn't really matter if you can't get into your motion system because you can just give the ball to him and he'll hit a fadeaway jumper and it's all good. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we had the interesting thing with uh, DeMarcus Cousins being active for the first time. When you think about how long ago it was that DeMarcus got hurt, really makes you realize how long these playoffs have been going on because it was in game two against the Clippers 
and that was a million years ago um, and he finally got back on the court and you know he looked the first couple minutes or the first couple seconds or d trips down the court he looked like he was gassed but then I thought he played pretty well I thought he moved pretty well and I mean he wasn't you know he wasn't really a liability I imagine Steve will probably figure out a way to get him some more minutes uh, in game two I thought you know he played okay I thought actually the whole the whole second unit played pretty well they they're the ones who cut the deficit down a couple of times and then but they the Warriors could never go on that kind of run that they went on against Portland they just they never had it in them yeah you know you make a good point the the the, the role guys the bench guys did their part it's just that Draymond didn't have a great game by his standard which right. is crazy because he had a triple double but he still he had six turnovers though um and wasn't great defensively and then Clay didn't have a phenomenal game. I think Steph did all he re he could. Um, you know he he, shut down in the second he got shut down in the second quarter though. That you know that was the time where they had closed the gap and then it looked like they could kind of maybe start to go on a little run and he just didn't score at all. Um, and then by by uh, halftime it was back up to ten. So yeah, I mean Steph started out looking like he was making an MVP statement. He had eleven points in about the first I don't know six minutes or something. Yeah, and then Andre, I, you know, I think they're used to getting a little bit more out of Andre. He, it looks like he might have a, a minor left leg injury. He left the game late. Uh, he said post-game that um, it's just bumps and bruises and he'll be fine. He'll be ready to go for game two. Uh, Steve said that they'll get him looked at tomorrow. So definitely something to track there. He's very important to what they do. Defensively, he had a lot of time on Kawhi tonight and did a pretty good job. Um so that'll be definitely something to monitor. But, you know, after everything that we've just talked about, after seeing the Warriors, like we said, get get beat in a game, not lose a game, but get beat in a game, does this change your mindset for this series going forward? Do you think it's it's more plausible for the Warriors to lose this series than maybe you thought entering tonight? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, because I saw it. I saw it happen, and I saw this building, and I saw, you know, the – the energy between the team and the crowd and the and just the whole vibe. There's something special happening here. There's no doubt, just like, you know, in 2015, there was something special happening in Oracle. Um, but the truth is, and, and Draymond had said this last week before, before they came here, you know, as the visiting team, you just want to get one of the two games. Right. And so the fact that they lost this first one isn't really that. I mean, we've never seen it before. We've never seen the Warriors lose a game one. But we've also never seen them start on the road in the finals. So I think it's it's perfectly plausible that they come out Sunday and take game two and then it's kinda kinda mission accomplished. So but I, I do think I do think um it's changed I I'm sure it changes a lot of people's mindset back in the Bay because I think there were some people who thought like, oh, you know, put the crown on them now. And this is gonna be a battle. I wouldn't I, I could see this being an extended series and if you come back here for a game seven, whew, baby, that'll be tough. Yeah, it definitely means we're coming back here for a game five. So, well, it doesn't yet. The, it doesn't mean it yet. <laughs> the uh, the Raptors could sweep. Oh well, yeah, I guess you're right. I honestly, Don't my mind. <laughs> I was I was ready to book my flight because um, I I I just I don't see the Warriors getting swept. I just don't see that happening. But uh, um, Scott. What, do you think that the Warriors can lose this series? Can they lose it? Yeah. Uh, tonight was kind of startling, I thought, because we've seen them lose games in the playoffs before in the last five years. Um, but usually they make a, a 
a gallant run and they get maybe get a bad, bad call at the end or they just met Steph misses a couple open looks that are close and all that stuff. But tonight it was like they they never even really, really made a run. This is the most impotent. Can I use that word? In this that, yeah. that, that they've looked in the playoffs for a long time. And uh, I, I don't think they're going to look like that every game, but they did really look startlingly human for a team that uh, is the greatest team of all time. And and I do think um, they looked out of sync. And, you know, I mean, if you want to make an excuse, and I'm not making an excuse for them, you could say nine or ten days off will we'll put you out of sync. Whereas, you know, while the Raptors might be more tired, they also are in rhythm and excited and, you know, haven't had any, you know, they've just been go, go, go. And so I, Draymond said they looked that they, the first few minutes of the game were pretty hard and, and uh, they could tell they hadn't played full, you know, to go from zero for nine days to full steam in the finals, that's, that's, that's a big transition. So um, they, they did, they looked, they looked out of sync. They looked like they were bothered by Drake, which is weird. Um, you yeah, know, we didn't really get into no. that much. Uh, <laughs> We would be remiss to not touch upon that. There was a lot of talk entering this series about Drake and you know his antics on the sitting courtside, giving uh, giving uh, Nick Nurse back rubs and what have you. Um, and he was, I thought, an act, a real factor in tonight's game. Was talking a lot of trash to the Warriors. Obviously, these are guys that he has a friendship with. But when the Warriors were leaving the court after the final buzzer sounded. Draymond and, and Drake got into it a little bit, exchanged some words. There were a lot of amateur rip le- lip le- readers on Twitter trying to figure out what exactly Drake had said. It looked like he had called him trash. That's the one word I could make out. Uh, asked about it post game, Draymond kind of downplayed it, saying that's not a scuffle. You know, we didn't push each other. We, you know, it was whatever. Um, what did you guys think of that whole interaction? And do you think we're we're kind of overblowing it a little bit well i think um that drake has made himself be a factor in the raptors experience and and even though adam silver talked he is on payroll he's a global ambassador right and and even though adam silver talked to him about it um you know he didn't he wasn't backing down i mean he he was kind of trolling the warriors it it was kind of funny he comes in in a in a retro del curry raptors jersey um which is kind of cute and uh but he was talking a lot of stuff through the game and they were talking back to him and that's weird, you know, that that's I'm sure like Kerr probably wasn't thrilled about that. You know, focus on the game, don't focus on Drake, you know, chatting you up on the sideline. If you're up by 20, maybe that's cool, but you weren't. You were never in it. So like ignore him. So um I don't I wouldn't say he got in their head, but he, he was kind of a weird factor in the game. Yeah, some some people I think from the outside would say Drake is no factor. Players don't pay attention to that. They're locked into the game and everything. Just a quick story. Like 18 or 20 years ago, for a long time, the Warriors had, back in the old days, the Warriors had two guys that sat sat courtside in a corner opposite the Warrior bench, and they were hecklers. And they were fantastic. And they heckled the other team relentlessly. It was never anything dirty or um, obscene or anything like that. But they knew the players, and they made fun of their, if they had big ears or if they couldn't shoot jump shot. They knew all about them. They knew all the, and they were fantastic. And the thing that struck me is that the players listened to him. The players were absolutely tuned into these guys and they reacted to him. And so the players see this stuff and they doing it. That Drake 
is not ignored. The, the warriors are not tuning him out. They know what's going on. They, you know, I'm not saying he's the main factor in the series and everything, but he, I think he is a factor. No, I, I agree. And it, honestly, it just gives us more stuff to talk about, more stuff to write about. Um, and it's going to be fun going forward. It's late here. Uh, full disclosure with, with our listeners, it is 2.03 a.m. Toronto time. So we are committed to the pod. We wanted to, we wanted to give you guys your analysis, um, but uh, we, we got to get to bed. So thanks for listening. Stay locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com for all your Warriors finals needs. And uh, we will be here through, through Sunday, and uh, we appreciate it. Good night. Bye-bye. I'm going to go hang out with Drake at the club. See you guys. <laughs> Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.